Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am introducing this week's topic uh, for the three of us. Uh, and so as as is our practice with the notes, I will give you my quick gloss on the topic to be discussed, and then each of us will head into our individual takes. So uh, the story that's being talked about this week was written by Catherine Eben, or Eben, I'm not sure how you pronounce her name. Uh, it came out in Vanity Fair on October 22nd uh, this month. And the title is, uh, I guess, last month when you guys are hearing this, because this will come out on November 1st. Uh, in major shift, NIH admits funding risky virus research in Wuhan. A spokesman for Dr. Fauci says he has been, quote unquote, entirely truthful, but a new letter belatedly acknowledging the National Institute of Health's support for virus-enhancing research adds more heat to the ongoing debate over whether a lab leak could have sparked the pandemic. Uh, so the story basically details the mounting evidence that the NIH, by its own internal definitions of viral enhancement, has been sponsoring research for gain of function in existing uh, viruses. Uh, this is something that Fauci has denied before Congress multiple times in very famous clashes with Senator Rand Paul um, around this and, you know, claiming that uh, Rand Paul did not know what he was talking about. This article suggests that Fauci may not have been entirely forthcoming with all of the information that was available to him regarding what the NIH was responsible for funding through uh, one of its partners, EcoHealth. Now, the article doesn't say anything about the lab leak hypothesis. It doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't reach further than the facts that it has. But the facts that it lays out is that the National Institute of Health has acknowledged that by their own definition, they were sponsoring gain-of-function research. Uh, and, you know, with that, I will leave it to my colleagues and myself to give our individual takes on this article. As always, we appreciate your time. Hi, I'm Seth Rodney, speaking to you from Newburgh. It's late at night on Friday, October 29th. And I've been asked to, by my colleague, Travis Webb, for this episode of The American Age to respond to a Vanity Fair article titled, in major shift, NIH admits funding risky virus research in Wuhan. There are several questions that arise for me having written, having read this twice. But first, I want to just be upfront about the fact that I find reading this article somewhat annoying and a little bit tiresome because it feels like it's just a stalking horse for um, an argument that basically says your government can't be trusted. And the NIH and Dr. Fauci are lying to you. And I'm just really exhausted by that line of inquiry. I just find it stultifying. And yeah, I just don't do well with that. I want to point out a couple of things. One is the argument seems to be that Dr. Fauci misspoke or lied or wasn't as forthcoming as Travis said. 
about what he knew about what about the studies that the NIH has funded. I want to ask, um, and this is not a rhetorical question. I, want to, I really want to know the answer. Like, how many studies is the NIH funding? I mean, I'm going to guess it's somewhere in the hundreds um, or um, approaching a hundred. I mean, I don't know, but uh, but um, and yes, it, it's it'd be relatively. Well, I don't know, easy, but it'd be, I suppose it wouldn't be too difficult to, if you're about to give congressional, um, well, not advice, but if you're about to address Congress, I suppose that you would bone up on which studies were doing what under your watch. Um, I still think that there's a way in which it may be that if you are a huge organization that is funding hundreds of studies, that things might slip under the radar. So there's that. And I want to ask the question, is the research that EcoHealth Alliance, which is the body that was funded by the NIH um, to partner with a laboratory in Wuhan, um, isn't the research that EcoHealth Eco Alliance involved in supposed to help stop the breakout of viruses like SARS-CoV-2? I mean, the, 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 the approach of the story is just sort of scratching at the door it, uh, uh, suggesting that there may be something nefarious going on, but I want to say if, if if I mean one of the things that we're not the the author of this piece, and I think um, people who are reacting quite positively to this piece in Vanity Fair, I think one of the one of the things they're they're not taking on board is that. EcoHealth Alliance, for all intents and purposes, would be engaged in research that would ultimately try to prevent the onset and spread of this kind of viral outbreak that we are experiencing. I mean, the the sort of the sort of question that the article leaves us with is whether or not, as in the words words of Gilles Demanoff, a data scientist in New Zealand. Um, whether there's a massive cover-up. Another question I have is, Alina Chan um, says, uh, Alina Chan, Chan is a Boston-based scientist and co-author of the book Viral, The Search for the Origin of COVID-19, said, uh, and I'm quoting here, quote, said the NIH was in a, quote, very challenging position. They funded in research internationally to help study novel pathogens and prevent against them. But they had no way to know what viruses had been collected, what experiments had been conducted, and what accidents might have occurred, unquote. Well, isn't that the case with most funding bodies? I mean, you're not, unless you're able to actually send a staff person to the, en the entity you funded and to their labs and to their research facilities and observe what they are doing, you have to take their word for what they're doing. And there seems to be some chicanery back and forth um, between EcoHealth Alliance and the NIH. Um, they submitted some stuff late, but then said that they didn't submit it late. And I said they didn't have it. Um, uh, EcoHealth Alliance says they did submit the data on time. Um, people who are scrounging around for data on the side have found, um, I should be more clear about it, Intercept has um, published some stuff that they found through the Freedom of Information Act 
appeals or um, orders. I just want to ultimately ask, like, what's the, what's the end game here? Like, I mean, it, it's just a real search for truth. It doesn't feel like it is because it feels like the people um, at the intercept who are digging into this story, and the people like Gilles or Giles Gilles Demonov, and the people who a group of internet sleuths calling themselves drastic which is short for Decentralized Radical Autonomous Search Team Investigated COVID-19, who released a, a leaked $14 million grant proposal that EcoHealth had submitted in 2018 to the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA. It seems like what they want, ultimately, is to discover the smoking gun. And so I, if, it, it honestly feels to me like... Anything short of finding some documented evidence that um, EcoHealth Alliance or some other NIH-funded body worked with a, a laboratory in Wuhan, uh, in Wuhan province, and developed this virus, engineered this virus, and accidentally released it. Like, nothing short of that is going to be satisfactory. Um, I mean, it is a kind of nightmare scenario, uh, kind of end-of-the-world um kind of thing, uh, kind of idea that feels like looking down into uh, the abyss from the top of a cliff face, right? Like there's, there's part of you that wants to jump in. And this, and this work feels to me like that, like nothing against this person's reporting. I think Catherine Iban uh, has done, it seems to me, a relatively decent job reporting this, but I just like what the sources that she uses and the sort of backdrop of the debate between the ongoing debate between Rand Paul and Anthony Fauci um, just feels to me like a kind of theater. Like what we really want is we want to see like, or what we, I, I, I don't want this. What readers Enthusiastic readers of this article may want to see what um, The Intercept and um, Drastic might want to see is just um, some story that explains to them why the world has been rocked to its foundations. And I just, you know, sometimes mistakes are made and sometimes people don't keep track of stuff and sometimes people, and sometimes attempts are made to investigate something but they don't go anywhere. And we don't do well in a world where we don't have clear causes for devastating results. And I'm super tired of talking about this. My name is Stephen G. Fullwood, and this is the American Age's Notes. And I just want to start by saying, geez, Fauci, don't make me agree with Rand Paul. He's terrible, but he may be on to something. The recent letter that the National Institute of Health sent to Congress explodes or maybe casts more suspicion on how the um, COVID virus um, may have been leaked from a lab. Who knows? I say who knows with my shoulders up, but I actually am more quite serious. I mean, I'm interested in seeing or finding out a little bit more. I um, come to this with a sentiment that... Um, a quote that was attributed to Malcolm X at one point, which is um, 
he's for the truth. I'm for the truth, no matter where it comes from. I'm sure that's not verbatim, but the point is, no matter if it's red or blue or lavender or whatever, I'm interested in the truth. Um, this piece of information, I'm interested in seeing how the mainstream media will report on it. I feel like alternative media um, will do more with it than the popular media, unless it continues to sort of snowball and maybe encompass other aspects of this particular issue. I think this kind of uh, this kind of revelation or reporting continues to erode public trust in institutions. It really does. Um, I think it, in addition to that erosion, there's also a numbness around who to trust when people present themselves as authorities on a particular subject. And I think it also leads to people choosing red or blue, because I think it's just easier to sort of dump your ideas close to or in alignment with or people you think share your same political views and values. But reading throughout the article, I was struck by what Elena Chan said, a Boston-based scientist and co-author of the book Viral, The Search for the Origins of COVID-19, which she reports, and I mean, she's reported saying that she, the NIH is in a really precarious position on having to fund things internationally or somewhere else um, and not really know what the issue, you know, some of the issues that could be going on with that research. And my brain went, well, why not? Shouldn't they have some oversight? I mean, there'd be things that obviously you can't know because you're distance wise, you simply don't know. But it, it's it been very um, weird reading this piece. And it although these things have been bandied about before in the news that uh, along with Rand Powell, there have been others as well. But I don't want to simply, I want to, I want, I, I must admit, personally, I want to, uh, I want the person or the people or the institution that is responsible for doing important work to do their work. And I want to trust them. I don't want to be um, <laughs> the researcher. Um, and so I was thinking uh, what the article led for me basically were two things. And one's a question and one's a statement. The first one is, what does Fauci know or what, is he, what did he know? And was he operating out of political expediency because of the Trump administration? Or was he trying to protect the public in some kind of odd way? Because I remember the um, verbal gymnastics that he and Rand, Rand Paul were going back and forth. And yeah, I was cur- I'm curious about that. But the second one, as I mentioned, is I'm not a stupid person. I know that everybody lies. I, they lie for so many reasons and they lie on a daily basis. I lie. So it's not foreign to me, obviously. Um, but I have to repeat that it is so much easier to put my eggs in the basket of the people who I feel I have an affinity with that our politics line up and so forth. And so though that's the rub. It's the idea of the truth versus what you're comfortable with, what I'm comfortable with in this instance. And this is a story that I'll be following. And yeah, thanks, Travis. It was a really good one. Hi, this is C. Travis Webb, editor of The American Age, and this is my note for 
this week's podcast. You heard my introduction to the topic, obviously, and I'm sure just about no one listening to the podcast is unfamiliar with the Wuhan lab leak hypothesis, which is, you know, basically the idea, you know, in its less extreme, less conspiratorial iterations, it's the idea that the virus, you know, that the Wuhan lab was doing experiments on coronaviruses uh, from bats in particular, and that, you know, protocols weren't exactly airtight and the virus slipped out in uh, the winter of 2019 and then, you know, kind of spread from there uh, in early 2020. So this idea was immediately denounced and criticized as anything from racist to implausible uh, in the media and uh, was supported in that assertion by Dr. Anthony Fauci and a number of Peter Dizik, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but I'm, I'm sure you've seen it in print. And, you know, that uh, even entertaining the idea was absurd and ridiculous. This led to a number of exchanges in the U.S. Senate between uh, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Senator Rand Paul. Um, and, you know, Senator Paul uh, challenged Fauci uh, on the NIH funding gain-of-function research, uh, even though there was a moratorium declared on that by uh, the United States government. And Fauci, you know, sort of shouted back at this and uh, denied that there was any gain-of-function and very famously said, you know, Senator, you do not know what you are talking about, and um, you know, took a great deal of umbrage. And, you know, there was a lot of uh, sort of tech speak and and what I would, you know, sort of professionalization of language from Fauci and other NIH officials that basically denied that there was any kind of gain of function research. And, and I think we can, you know, think about it in two different ways. Of course, internal experts, professional researchers, scientists have a kind of argo, their own, their own way of, of referring to for shorthand and ease of communication, some fairly complicated processes, some fairly complicated techniques, some fairly complicated theories, um, yeah, biological theories, physical theories, etc. Uh, and so, you know, they use shorthand to describe these things, and they kind of probably at some granular level. And that that's true. That language is real, and and a lot of times it's quite useful. It's very it's very uh, handy to be able to speak to other professionals in a shorthand that they are quickly going to be able to grasp complicated subjects. And then there's how things are discussed in public. So, you know, gain of function in, you know, public or uh, the one that always bugged me is, you know, people were denigrating for several weeks, the idea of research, like, Oh, you've done your research, have you? And then, you know, any number of snarky tweets or social media posts about, how, you know, the rubes couldn't possibly know how to do research because they don't have the right kind of academic imprimaturs and, you know, haven't written master's theses. As if it isn't common parlance to say something like, I'm going to research a new car. And no one thinks that you have a master's degree in 2020 late model Toyota Corollas. I mean, it's just... It's such a ridiculous idea that research means one specific thing. And honestly, that applies in this situation as well. It's very clear that gain of function 
outside of the scientific community means to enhance, to tinker with, to play with, to use human ingenuity to generate something that would not have emerged without that ingenuity, at least in the time frame before them. You know, sure, maybe evolution, you know, over several hundreds of years, scores of years, thousands of years, whatever, would have produced a similar result. But in vitro, in a Petri dish, they produced something uh, very rapidly through using know-how, chemicals, you know, uh, photoelectric processes, all the rest of that. The What Fauci was doing and I'll get to the lying part of it in a second. What Fauci was doing was gaslighting Rand Paul. That's what that's what Dr. Anthony Fauci was doing. He was gaslighting Rand Paul. Now you may not like Rand Paul. I can the the number of political positions I agree with Rand Paul on, I probably could count on two or three fingers. But you know, he's he ended up backing Trump and all the rest of this, you know, supposedly has no integrity. Whatever you think of him. That does not invalidate his argument. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. It, it this is this is one of the ways in which the Trump, the 21st century, that is Trump's in U.S. politics, has made us dumber. It's made intellectuals dumber. It's it's allowed us. It's given us cover to do all sorts of rhetorical sleight of hands and and to treat each other in a very nasty way. And just sort of escape unscathed to gaslight the, these people. Found, I mean, Rand Paul was right in these exchanges. I don't see how one could read the Vanity Fair article and think any. I mean, certainly the NIH, the NIH ended up acquiescing, right? I mean, of course, Fauci's spokesperson said, "Oh, you know, he he didn't he never lied." Well, why would this shock anyone? Doctor Anthony Fauci is a government bureaucrat. Yes, he is scientifically trained. That's fine. Lots of our bureaucrats and senators and congressmen and presidents have extensive educations. That does not mean that they are always trustworthy. The idea that government officials are always trustworthy, it, for most of my academic colleagues, people that I would have, you know, agreed on most issues, you know, three, four, five years ago, would have laughed at the idea that you could reflexively trust a bureaucratic official about some government pronouncement. It's just bonkers to me. I don't, I don't understand it. The Trump election was an accelerant. It, it advanced and sped up processes that were already in place. And the Biden administration has learned the lessons of the Trump administration. The Biden administration is duplicating the same obfuscations, the same flood the zone, the same lack of acknowledgement, the same lack of engagement that the Trump administration really pioneered in American politics. And they are following suit. This is what Fauci has done. This is what the NIH has done. This is what Walensky has done. This is what the CDC has done. They have learned from Trump to advance a political agenda, which is obviously, you know, it, there's no conspiracy here, right? It's not that they're, you know, there's no Bill Gates microchip. It's none of that. It's just craven political power that is now totally untethered from principle or uh, public feedback, right? I mean, normally when a president's approval rating tanks, the president recalibrates 
you know, public policy and public pronouncements. That has become completely decoupled in uh, since Trump. So Trump did not respond to his abysmal poll ratings. And Joe Biden is not responding to his tanking poll ratings either. And the Fauci Paul dust up and Fauci's denial of the uh, the fact that the NIH funded through EcoHealth gain of function research at a Wuhan lab is just a straight up craven political lie. And Fauci's tactic for accomplishing abetting and covering up that lie is to gaslight the American public to gaslight, well, I would say the news media, but the news media is completely disinterested in actually pursuing this. And and so what's happened is that you have you have two extreme wings of of these political parties, Republicans and Democrats, who are waging a war on reality at this point. They're not even really waging a war on one another. They're not talking with one another at this point. There's, there is no, at least not in the public sphere, there's no real engagement there. It's all just discredit the other person's point of view. Dismiss, ignore, you know, denigrate, cut down to size, you know, laugh away. I saw all these, you know, Rand Paul is just an ophthalmologist as if he didn't go to medical school. That doesn't make him an expert on coronaviruses. Of course it does not. But it also means that he is absolutely qualified, one, as a U.S. senator, because that's his job, and two, as, you know, a scientifically trained physician to cross-examine the director of the NIH, who, again, to be clear, lied. I, 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 I don't know how to say that more clearly. If, if you read the Vanity Fair article, and uh, which I would recommend to everyone, and you come away from that thinking that Anthony Fauci did anything other than lie to cover his own ass, that the United States was funding gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab through EcoHealth, you are not... You are engaging in the very same obstinate refusal to see the world from any lens other than your own political point of view that the Trump the, the Trump administration and Trump's populist movement engaged in. I know that last sentence was sentence was a little convoluted. So let me try and say it a little bit more clearly and just straightforward and I'll end with that, which is that if you can't see that, not that Fauci is a liar, is this, I'm not recriminating the man. I don't know him. We're not friends. But if you can't see that he lied about this thing and that therefore that is an interesting data point from which to evaluate other pronouncements that he's made, then you are in fact part of the ideological obstinacy that is keeping the United States from making any reasonable political process vis-a-vis -vis the pandemic, vis-a-vis -vis pandemic response. You know, I, you know if, I, if I had more time, I would throw in all the other things that, uh, that we have a hard time engaging with each other over. 
So again, it doesn't mean, you know, lots of great politics, Barack Obama, who a president that I still like, even though, you know, obviously there's some negative press that he's uh, gotten some criticism lately, you know, from people like Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald. I still have a tremendous amount of respect for Barack Obama. It, politicians lie. Bureaucrats lie. I mean, it's just part of what happens. We're human beings. We lie. But you have to be able to, or I would, you don't have to do whatever, you can do whatever you want, but I would encourage us as thinkers as an, and as individuals that we are able to still call a spade a spade and we're still able to call balls and strikes and and this was clearly just a lie and that this should this should be incorporated into future assessments of what Anthony Fauci and the NIH and the CDC by uh, just by association uh, have to say about the pandemic and and the rest of uh, and the rest of it. So uh, thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it um, and hope you'll join us next week for our long form discussion. 